Welcome to Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Anya Crittenden, an editor and writer for Entertainment Earth News, and with me, as always, are... I'm Hai Chen Bui, a USA Today contributor and a pop culture journalist in D.C. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker also in the D.C. area. Um, so before we start our podcast episode today, we want to give um, a I guess, shout-out to... David Bowie and Alan Rickman Seth, I think shout out is a bad word, just kind of mention it, um, because they both passed away this week um, in quick succession of each other, and both of them are huge icons in the pop culture world, both in music and the film industry, and their influences still reach culture and everything that we see today. Um, and I know that we all grew up with watching the Harry Potter movies, so Alan Rickman was a huge part of our childhoods playing Professor Snape, and he was a big blow. And also David Bowie, who's just a genius, beautiful genius. Um, I saw him first in Labyrinth, um, dancing in his tight leather pants with uh, Jennifer Connelly and a bunch of Muppets, and it was a beautiful, life-changing experience for me. Um, I, feel guys, like, yeah. I feel like Bowie kind of transcended, like, everything, because mm-hmm. Bowie was never a big part of my life growing up. Um, I saw Labyrinth for the first time as an adult, Mm -hmm. and therefore I actually don't really like it very much, and I think it's partially, I don't have nostalgia for it, Mm -hmm. Um, and I listened to Bowie music very little growing up, but, like, I knew what an icon he was. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just, I just knew. Mm -hmm. He, like, had transcended all of that, and so when I found out he passed away, it was kind of a loss to the larger, like, pop culture community it, rather than, like, a personal loss to me, whereas, mm-hmm. like, Alan Rickman's death hit me on a more personal level. Mm-hmm. Not only for Harry Potter, but, like, I grew up with him in Robin Hood especially and mm-hmm. in uh, Sense and Sensibility mm-hmm. were big ones for me growing up with Alan Rickman. So it's it definitely, that one hit pretty close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anya, you pretty much hit the same points that I have with both David Bowie and, and Alan Rickman. Uh, I saw. I haven't seen. I like. I've only seen, listened to Bowie with like with the popular songs like Heroes and Space Odyssey, Space Oddity, and like different variations on those. And then uh, he was in The Prestige uh, as yes. as Nikola Tesla, mm-hmm. and I didn't yes. realize that was him until like years after when I like looked up the trivia for that. And I was like, oh wow, that's interesting. And then, Andy Serkis. Yeah, and uh, Alan Rickman, of course, as Professor Snape and as uh, Metatron in Dogma. And, um, that is an excellent movie. And, well, then a big one, of course, for him is Hans Gruber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hans Gruber, definitely. That was when he made his like, film debut at 42. He was only he was 42. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, his character in Love Actually. Uh, he was just a great... They're both amazing icons. Mm-hmm. We miss them, miss them terribly. It was just a huge shock to all of us, I know, because like, they both died very suddenly, and of cancer, too. So And at the same age. And the same age, too. And it's just like no one knew that either of them were sick. Um, David Bowie, especially, was like hiding his sickness. And he well, I feel like Alan Rickman was. Alan Rickman definitely was. Um, I had no idea. Like, yeah. the way you know, like, Maggie Smith has been very, like... Mm-hmm. vocal and public about her illness and mm-hmm. her cancer and but like Rickman never yeah said I never anything. and I feel like almost that Alan Rickman was almost a little more shocking only because I felt like we were still reeling from Bowie yeah mm-hmm. it was and sort of like a one two punch yeah yeah and um Bowie just released an album like three on days Friday. earlier like yeah. yeah 
on his, on birthday. his birthday. And it was an amazing album. I haven't listened to all of it, but it was definitely like his swan song and just kind of goodbye letter to the world. Um, it's very eerie, honestly, because there's like one of the lines is like, hello from heaven. And it's just like... Whew, that's deep. He must, he must have known. Yeah, he definitely knew. Um, I mean... Yeah, was, I mean, he said he'd been battling it for what, 18 months? 18 uh, yeah, months, 18 yeah. Months. So yeah, it was coming. So, mm-hmm. And I don't know yes. how long Alan Rickman was battling cancer. Mm-hmm. I don't think they released how much. No, um, we don't even know like what type of cancer. Yeah. yeah. So that is our um, tribute yeah. tribute to uh, two great icons in movie and music. Um, yes. And we're going to take a big 180 now. Um, Willoughby, why don't you introduce our topic for this week? We're going to talk about the Oscars. We're going to talk about Oscars So White. We're going to talk about snubs. We're going to talk about nominations. We're going to talk about the shenanigans that kind of befell the Golden Globes just for a little bit as we talk about the, the nominations for the Oscars. So I think the big one we should just get to right away is diversity. Yes. Yes. The lack of I mean, again, Oscar so white trended last year, trending this year. And there's so many ways they could have avoided it, too. They were aware of the problem. It was brought up last year to great extent. And this year, there were so many uh, possibilities that could have been nominated. First of all, Ryan Coogler for Creed. Creed is one of my favorite movies of 2015. I'm just shocked that it was not nominated for Best Picture or Ryan Coogler. And I would, I would argue, director. I would argue for Creed is that not only is it like the Academy, but like the studio didn't push Creed. Mm-hmm. No, they no. didn't realize they had something on their hands until it was too late. And the so only it's person- like also it's on, it's on the studios for like reali- not realize like your diverse led films like. Did did Mad Max get pushed for the award season? Because I know like there's a lot of buzz about it, but I never knew it actually got pushed by the studio. I, I don't know how much. I think screeners definitely went out. Mm. Yeah, but like I know that like with the, with Creed, especially like they were pushing Sylvester Stallone, but they basically weren't pushing anything else about it. And Ryan Coogler did such a great job. I'm going to make a controversial statement and say that Creed, I think, did franchise nostalgia better than Star Wars for The Force Awakens did. It just kind of took this classic uh, kind of trot up, like the well overdone story, like the classic underdone story that had been done in Rocky and the other Rocky films and just like brought it for a new generation and like into the modern era. And it did it so well at, at the same time as feeling fresh and innovative, but also it brought on like that whole nostalgic bent. So I think Creed was one of the most successful films of last year, critically. I wish it did better commercially, but yeah, I'm and bitter about it. And it deserved Creed. many nominations, like not only Coogler, but mm-hmm. Michael B. Jordan, mm-hmm. Best Picture nod. Mm-hmm. It's the thing is that there wasn't a lack of diversity to choose no. from it's last year. I I saw the Hateful Eight for a second time last night, and Samuel Jackson blew me away again. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how he didn't get a Best Supporting nod. And like, you look at who was nominated and. I don't know why Christian Bale was nominated for The Big Short. Like, if you were going to nominate anyone for The Big Short, you should have nominated Steve Carell. Steve Carell was excellent. Um, he was the best yeah, part of that Yeah, he was the best part, like, honestly. Like, Christian Bale is always amazing. You can count on him for being, like, a great actor and, like, pulling off, like, every role. Um, I think Christian Bale was the most sympathetic character in the movie, so maybe that's why. He was kind of almost audience surrogate, but in a way, like, he kind of was on the fringes of The Big Short as well. So... Not yeah, really so sure, I, yeah. I, you could have nominated Samuel Jackson in his mm-hmm. spot easily. You could have nominated Idris Elba um, for Beast of No Nation. A big one is Will Smith in Concussion. 
who I have not seen Concussion, but I've heard that he gives a transformative performance and that he just, like, people... You know, people usually go to, to Will Smith movies expecting Will Smith, and he never really... He always delivers on that. He always plays a Will Smith-type character. But in this movie, Concussion, he plays a very different character and you almost don't recognize him, is what I've heard. So... The yeah. fact that Concussion wasn't well-reviewed as a movie in general. Mm-hmm. But probably neither was Joy it. and Jennifer Lawrence yeah. who got a nomination. And I know All right. Anya's giving a face. She's going to rant about this a little bit. Well, I mean, well, I'm happy that Joy got almost completely shut out because mm-hmm. stop awarding David O. Russell movies. Yeah. They're not mm-hmm. good. <laughs> um, but well, also, like, I don't, I, I, I'm going to go out and say, like, I haven't seen it yet. I have no plans to see it. I've given David Russell too many chances. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Jennifer Lawrence probably didn't deserve that nomination. Um, uh, I was hoping for Alicia Vikander to get two nominations, one for Danish Girl for lead and one for supporting for Ex Machina. I have seen Joy, and I will say that Jennifer Lawrence was the best part of that movie. Everything else fell by the wayside. And I will say that she does give a good performance, like, like, like she has in the past. So... I think a nomination was deserved, but I don't think she should win. I think someone else should win. I, I think she's honestly like Christian Bale on the awards circuit at this point in that you expect a nomination from her, but it's almost like she's just that good, and she will elevate a film despite it being you know really awful. I know that um, Willoughby came away pretty disappointed with the movie. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of Jennifer Lawrence as an actress, and like I'll see bad movies she's in, and I just... There was a point where Bradley Cooper just kept talking and talking and talking, and I just wanted to scream at the theater, shut up, oh my god, just shut up. And I'd never felt like that in a movie theater before, <laughs> even with characters that I don't sympathize with. And so that was like a really big one, like, what is, this movie is not good. This movie is just not good. And so I think, so there's that. So I'm happy that Joy got almost shut out. Yeah. Hooray. Not happy about the diversity problem. And I think, HT, you mentioned that, like, you know, they had this problem last year and they were criticized for it. And so here's the, here's the problem, I think, is that until the majority of the Academy stops being old conservative white men, this isn't going to change. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take a few, it's, you know, they inducted more and they inducted younger people and more people of color and more mm-hmm. women <clears throat> under their president. Um, but until they keep inducting them over and over again, year after year, and they start outweighing these old white men. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see much of a change in what gets nominated. It's going to yeah. take a few years. But once the academy, once the academy's population changes, then we might see more diversity in the nominations. I yeah. agree. And we want to see a shift in the industry too, because you know we're seeing that shift in television, and it's amazing because we have shows like Empire. We have shows like. Fresh off the boat, we have shows like um, like all the Shonda Rhimes shows, basically that she pushes diversity first, and it doesn't matter like if like what ethnicity you are, you will play like a lead character, and it's unfortunate that you see like all these like TV magazines. Like I mentioned this, I think in like our TV podcast in the first episode, TV magazines will have like the covers of all these really great diverse casts, and then you have the Hollywood Reporter um, cover, which is just white on white on white. White bread. Yep. Yep. And I will say that uh, Straight Outta Compton, which it, the only people who were nominated for that movie were the white writers. Mm. Yep. Which is crazy because the movie was so good. 
Like, the actors were great. O'Shea Jackson Jr., who is Ice Cube's son, d- delivers a spot-on performance of his father. Mm-hmm. And the singing is great. The acting is great. It's a little melodramatic, but that makes sense because it's a biopic about a very, like, dramatic, dramatic moment in their lives. Mm-hmm. But the movie should have been nominated for for many more things than it was. I honestly didn't think that Straight Outta Compton, Straight Outta Compton was that great a movie, but worst movies have been nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mm-hmm. mean, that's the thing, is that, like, they'll nominate, like, you know... American Sniper. Mediocre American Sniper. <laughs> they'll nominate those mediocre films because they're, like, they say something, or they're important. Or they're, like, they're what the Academy always people. nominates. Yeah. 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 So, like, like, I've ranted, I think, last time about generic prestige picks always getting the slot in... Um, the Oscar race. Um, I know I haven't seen Bridge of Spies, so I can't fully judge. Willoughby is the only one who has seen it, I think. Yeah. Um, and that got a slot, even though Willoughby says I. It, it doesn't deserve it. Yeah, it doesn't deserve it. It's so. the only one I have left on my list, so I'm planning to get to that one. We have a screener for it. That's the thing is, I don't think any other any other thing from Bridge of Spies was nominated. No, Mark no, Rylance got supporting yeah. actor. Supporting mm-hmm. actor, but Spielberg didn't get director. Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks didn't get best actor. Like. There's no best picture. There's no best like screenplay or like it's for some reason it was it only got best supporting actor and best picture. Which the Academy the Academy feels an obligation to nominate every Spielberg film for best picture. Exactly, just, which doesn't make good sense because War Horse wasn't good. I don't know if you guys saw War Horse. I did War Horse. It wasn't great. Awful. Uh, um, this is why I'm really excited for the Hollywood Reporter's annual like honest Oscar ballots. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see how people voted and why. It's going to be real interesting. Um, one movie that has a lot of people of color that I haven't seen but I really want to see, um, and a lot of people were saying this should have gotten some nominations, was, um, I think we talked about this last time, Chirac? Chirac. Chirac, yeah. Um, yeah. Was it you who talked about it or Anya? I haven't seen it. I haven't, seen, I it haven't seen it either, but one of us talked about yeah, it. Yeah, one of us talked about it. It was like it's a very fascinating like, movie about um, the Chicago um, race riots or something. I think it's about it's it's a modern telling of a Greek play, mm-hmm. a Greek comedy, where all the women in Chicago uh, stop uh, having sex with their boyfriends and their husbands mm-hmm. to get them to stop being so violent and so like out of control. Yeah. And eventually, it takes over the, that that notion, that idea, and that notion takes over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sam Jackson's in it. Uh, I haven't seen the movie either, but I've, I've heard a lot about it. It's actually on Amazon Prime. I might check it out because it sounds like a great Oscar movie. Like one of um, I'm going to go on another tangent here. One of my complaints about this year's um, like Oscar race is that none of the movies are as um, envelope pushing or innovative as last year's. Like, we have, you know, your Spotlights, which is a great movie. It's kind of more subdued, though. It's kind of, it's a really great uh, drama, um, story-driven film with great acting, but there's nothing that really stands out in this Oscar race like Birdman or Boyhood did last See, year. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you slightly. Okay. Um, I agree that there's no frontrunner. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about this Oscar is that there's no frontrunner. It's an open race. It's... It's so wide, which is why I don't get why they didn't use all their 10 Best Picture nods, Mm -hmm. because they easily could have. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to argue with you saying that nothing pushes the envelope, um, in that 
maybe nothing does, but I Spotlight is my number one pick mm-hmm. for best picture. I think it is a fantastic film. Um, Brooklyn and Room are my other two like favorites, um, Brooklyn especially. And the thing is about like Brooklyn and Spotlight is that they don't reinvent the wheel by any means. Mm-hmm. But they are so technically perfect and so well made. I don't think you have to push an envelope to show like to have be there's there's a reason why good scripts like strong acting but like not being like outlandish or mm-hmm. garish or relying on hollow tricks which is what I think the revenant does mm. and there's a reason why those things are admired so I think that Spotlight deserves a best picture out of the ones that were nominated and I think it's a phenomenal film and yeah. I don't think you have to push an envelope like I loved Birdman last year it was my favorite mm. pick of the bunch but like I don't think you have to shoot a film in one shot to say we're worthy of best picture no, yeah, there is definitely um, something to say about a perfectly made film, and you know that hold that stands the test of time. And I know that like Andre, Alejandro Inarritu was, you know, he was he won last year for Birdman, and he again tried to you know do something innovative with Revenant, but it, it rang hollow, like Anya said. I think Revenant will be my revenge story if it wins <laughs> Best Picture. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with HT in a different way and say that I think Mad Max Fury Road pushes the envelope. Oh yeah, True. I mean, I mean it in the way that there's no front runner. I guess that front runner that pushes the envelope. Mad yeah, Max okay. definitely true. does. Yeah, but um, it's not. I, a front but it's runner. not going to be. Oh, it's not going to win. It's it's a it's my hopeful along mm-hmm. with Martian as my two hopeful. Yeah, no, Mad but Max I, was definitely like the most interesting film for me, but I don't think it'll get the best picture nod. Which is saying it's telling mm-hmm. of the Academy that something like Mad Max, which should like in all in all other universes that would not have been nominated for an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so happy it's did. it's a regular not regular, it's it's a blockbuster action adventure movie that any other movie like in that like Fast and Furious didn't get nominated for anything. Mm-hmm. Like another other there's no Avengers, no like block superhero blockbuster movie nominated for uh Best Picture nomination, but Mad Max Fury Road is, mm. and I think that that's some, that says something about how even though the script is incredibly minimal, it tells so much visually that that it belongs in a higher echelon of film than its counterparts in the, the blockbuster genre yeah. of, of film. Yeah. Although I would also say that I think The Martian is can be somewhat considered a blockbuster too, mm-hmm. and it got nominated, which is so like I'm so excited to see the uh, the Academy acknowledging blockbusters more. Yeah, and like The Martian, I'm gonna go out and say this: The Martian is a much better film about someone being stranded in space than Gravity ever was. Oh no, I agree. Gravity's not a good film. I Sorry. liked Gravity. I liked Gravity, but I thought The Martian was a better film. I mean, I The Martian's gra- a better film, but Gravity, like, don't. Don't diss on Gravity, man. <laughs> I'm going to diss on Gravity. I, Gravity's a beautiful film to look at, but once again, it's hollow for me. Like, mm. Gravity... Uh, so the thing I like about The Martian way more than Gravity and why I think The Martian is a better film and why Gravity kind of didn't work for me, Gravity gets a little too saccharine for me, personally. It gets a little too emotionally manipulative. Mm. Um, Gravity has to tell you why you want Sandra Bullock to survive. They have to give you this backstory about a child and they have to like 
make you care about her, whereas in The Martian with Mark Watney, there's no backstory to him. You're rooting for him because he's a human being. Like, you're rooting for him. See, that's the thing. I don't... Gravity... Gravity felt like it was it was trying so hard to get me to care. Mm-hmm. And The Martian relied on its human characters and its script and relied on the audience, like, having sympathy just as an audience. I don't see it as being emotionally manipulative because I don't... I thought that it was a really good, intimate, like, character study more so than being, like, overly saccharine, which is, like, an interesting... Um, difference right now because I know that you're usually more for like the really sweet and like I am it's true movies and I like really enjoyed gravity um yeah I don't know I don't I don't see it but I guess agree to disagree yeah (laughs) but that's the thing is I like that Martian and Mad Max got best picture not because it shows Mm -hmm. that the academy is broadening their horizons a little bit which is really funny considering that they broadened their horizons to 10 pictures because of the dark knight Dark Knight never got a nom, and 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 it never got a nomination. And they were like, "Well, we should add, we should add more, more Best Picture cat- nominations so we can do stuff like nominating really good blockbusters or whatever." But they just kept going to like the Weinstein brothers and to yeah. all the different like uh, Harvey in, Weinstein in, independent films uh, for Best Pictures, mm-hmm. and suddenly we, we get this like treasure not treasure trove, but this trove of prestige flicks with white guys who have some difficulty in their life. And multiple ones since there's only a few, there's more slots now. But, and like they don't even consistently go with the ten slots, which really frustrates me. Like, yeah. choose something. Don't just like change it from nine to seven to, yeah. to five in the one year and like, I, I just well, don't like Well, and especially that. this year it feels like. Yeah. they. Oh, another snub that we could mention is Inside Out didn't get best nominated didn't get nominated for best picture. Wait, it didn't? It didn't. I thought it did. It got best animated feature. But, oh wait, yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought. But you meant, not thought, best yeah. picture. It could no, have got see, the ninth slot. Mm-hmm. See, and that's that's one thing that I'm really bothered by is I feel like the Academy ever since they introduced the best animated film category, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, you're you can be satisfied in that category. Yeah, I mean, like they you don't the, need a best picture nomination yeah. because you can win best animated picture, and I'm yeah. like. Like, no. They created that category because Beauty and the Beast got Beauty nominated Beast. for Best Picture, um, and they're like, this can't happen again. So now they created a whole category for it. I feel like that's the only reason that they changed things up, honestly, with like the Oscars. Um, even though there are much better reasons to change it, like actually expanding your diversity, for example. Yeah. Uh, and I uh, want to see animated films get more acknowledgement. The mm-hmm. only other uh, animated film that has gotten an Academy Award Up. nomination is Up, Up. Uh, which yep. was in 2009? Yeah, I think nine. Uh, so the 2010 Oscars. Spirited Away should have gotten the Best Picture nom. Yeah. But whatever. So. There's that's... a lot There's a lot of animated films that probably deserve a Best Picture. I really and hate a... that whole like um, outlook of, best, of animated features are lesser or something. Than... Agreed live action because they're it's made not for true. children. And not, in like, even animated uh, movies aren't always made for children either. Like, uh, HT and I are about to go see Anomalisa mm-hmm. after recording this podcast, and I've heard great things about how how, how great it is mm-hmm. as a film, not just an animated film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I agree. And I'm, I'm also bitter that Hateful Eight got snubbed. Yes. A lot. I thought Hateful Eight, like, watching Hateful Eight... I was really struck by how great of a movie it is. Like, just 
standing on its own, not re- regardless of whether Tarantino directed it or not. It was a great film, and it sh- it felt like if it wasn't Tarantino, it would have been in the running for a Best Picture or like for an Oscar nom or something. They didn't. I even honestly get- feel similar to kind of the diversity, like the old conservative white men and majority of the Academy. Mm-hmm doesn't like Taran like they're uncomfortable by Tarantino mm-hmm. and they don't like him and so they'll be like all right like your script okay mm-hmm. we'll give you that but like he doesn't win anything else mm-hmm. which I don't think is fair and they love Christoph Waltz but yeah they will give Christoph Waltz anything even for playing the same character two movies in a row yikes yeah. <laughs> but and Jen- I love Christoph Waltz but like J- Jennifer Jason Lee did get a nomination correct yeah yeah but and she was excellent Jackson. in it yeah, Deserve Jackson. Supporting. Definitely. Um, it didn't even get best screenplay, which Tarantino usually gets because his dialogue is always on point. And yeah. it was on point. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Ennio Morricone did get a nomination though. He correct? better win that. And yeah. it also got. I think it also got cinematography and editing. Yep. Maybe I don't know about editing, but he got cinematography. It um, definitely did. And but it definitely Morricone better win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He better win. <laughs> All right. Um, are there any other uh, snubs or wishes that we want to talk about? Yes. I One more that is very important. <laughs> okay. Well, Go ahead. two. I want Cinderella to win Best Costume for that dress alone. Mm. Like, it just needs to win for that. I've seen that dress in person, and it is insane. I know that there are, like, several layers to it, so when like, she, like, swishes, it's supposed to show different colors every it time. It is insane. <sighs> And, like, I, the thing is, Mad Max is also for costume, and I love the costumes in Mad Max, and they're so great, so, like, I wouldn't be upset if it won, but, like, that dress. Um, but one last thing I have to shout out is Roger Deakins. Yes. Listen to me. <laughs> this is his 13th nomination. And I know The Revenant's gonna win, and The Revenant's gonna win on a trick. <laughs> I'm the getting so tired. The whole sunlight thing. Yeah, I'm getting so tired of hearing this movie was hard to make. We only used natural lighting. Some days we only had an hour to shoot. And I just want to be like, that's your own fault. That's what you chose. Like, your movie doesn't get to rest on those. Your movie doesn't get to be, doesn't get to be the best just because you chose a harder way to make it. Mad Max used all practical effects and took like seven months. Like, they're not complaining. No. Tom Hardy wasn't that's what I'm like. People don't talk about the story in The Revenant. They don't talk about the substance, because there is no substance. Mm-hmm. And so that's very, what I'm, like... It's a very hollow, thin plot. Yeah, and Sicario's cinematography is just as gorgeous as oh. The Revenant cinematography mm-hmm. without relying on, like, we only use natural light. Like, and I just want Roger Deakins to get an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. Sicario was just, like, very stunning cinematography too it's like in a way that made you unsettled and it was just like yeah it really brought you into that world and i cannot that like yeah that should have gotten more recognition honestly like it kind of disappeared benicio because, del toro for supporting actor yes, benicio del toro was great when i first saw sicario i thought that he would get more recognition for that and he's like an academy award not like previous nomination nominees has he won for anything oh i can't remember i well he's, he's he, been nominated several times and you would also fix, you know, the diversity factor in the Oscars this year. Exactly. See, there's not a lack of diversity. It's just mm-hmm. that the Academy is like, we're old white people. Yeah. We like other white people. Yeah. It's not fun. It's really unfortunate. Um, yeah. So do we have... Oh, any- one thing. Uh, he won uh, an, an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in 2001 for Traffic. 
Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm. I do want to give a shout out. Um, this doesn't like fix the diversity problem, but like, I do want to give a shout out to Rachel McAdams. She's one of my favorite actresses in the world. I love her. And so I'm really happy. She's not going to win supporting actress, but yeah. I'm really happy she got a nod because yeah. I think I'm actually, she's great. I was actually very surprised that she got a nod for um, Spotlight because she was great in it. It was like, it was more of an ensemble movie for me. I think that it was. She, yeah. Was like, I don't think there was a standout, yeah. um, which is why I was surprised, but mm-hmm. I'm not unhappily so. She's not going to win, but like, I just really love Rachel McAdams. Mm-hmm. So why don't we, before we finish, wrap up our Oscar conversation, um, why don't we say, like, which one we think is going to win, which one we hope is going to win for, like, Best Picture or, like, any of the other... So what we want and then what we think? Yeah. Okay. So, Anya, why don't you go first? I'm going to... Okay. I'm going to say, depending on the Critics' Choice Awards tonight, because that is historically really good at predicting the Oscars, Mm -hmm. depending on that tonight... Um, if The Revenant wins tonight, I'm going to say that Revenant's probably the front runner. If Spotlight wins tonight, I'm going to say that they might switch and Spotlight might gain momentum. And I hope Spotlight wins. But I think tonight will be an indicating factor. So Spotlight's my pick. Critics' Choice Awards is what it depends on. That's that's a cop-out answer, but <laughs> I'm, wait- I'm waiting for tonight. I For me, I would hope that Mad Max wins, I don't think it will win, because I think, yeah, like we talked about earlier, it is the most innovative and interesting of the um, Best Picture nods this year. Although I will give a shout-out to, I saw The Big Short last week, after, like, you know, my whole um, altercation with the the movie theater seatings, um, I saw it, and it was actually a lot more um, interesting and kind of witty and Tongue in cheek than I expected it to be. Margot so, Robbie in a bathtub. Margot Robbie in a bathtub. <laughs> um, Selena Gomez. Oh, I have to see it. Yeah, it's hilarious. Like the way it's that really... they explain and um, showcase this really complex um, housing market is really funny and just does it really well in terms of like making it understandable. So I, yeah, I really enjoyed that. They do a lot of fourth wall breaking too, which is a lot of fun. So I, that was more. Um, out of the box than I expected it to be. But anyways, Mad Max would be my pick. I doubt it will win, but it's definitely, like, one of the best action movies that I've seen in, like, in this decade, I think. What do you think will win? Probably Spotlight. I, in terms of, like, the the, pe- the movies that people think will win, like, Revenant versus Spotlight, I would prefer Spotlight because it is a technically perfect film, and it's just, like, the drama and, like, the action is just, like, so well done and built so well. And I like that it's all kind of just, I guess, subterfuge, like, underneath the surface in terms of, like, the way that they talk about and show, like, the kind of uh, disturbing, like, uh, prospect of the church abusing children and that kind of stuff. And it's all about, like, the journalism and... Someone pointed out um, a really interesting fact about Spotlight is at the end, you know how, like, at the end of the movie there's all that text, Mm -hmm. like, follow-up? They never say in that text that this team won a Pulitzer Prize for this story. Really? They never mention that because this movie's not about that. This movie's not about them trying to, like, write a great story to win a Pulitzer Prize. Like, this mm-hmm. story, like, focuses on the victims and on the trauma of the community mm-hmm. and these people just wanting to bring to light this story. 
And I think that's why Spotlight for me is like so good and so devastating is that they focused on the right things. Mm-hmm. Like there was no person at the paper who was like, you shouldn't write this story. Like, you know, like you would expect Leah Schreiber to come in, his character in like another film would mm-hmm. have been like, you shouldn't write this story. And they would be like, we're going to write it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like they work together and they hit walls, but like this was about the story and the victims. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why Spotlight is as powerful as it is and in someone else's hands might it not could have been more trite a lot more grandstanding things yeah. like that no i agree. like if aaron sorkin wrote it exactly I, okay i just i really don't like aaron sorkin <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um but yeah spotlight for me i it impressed me in how subdued it was in the same time as being such a um just impactful story and I like that. I like that it really showcased how you do good journalism as being like in the journalism world and working in some investigative uh, teams, like in internships and stuff. It honestly is just like a lot of Excel sheets and looking at numbers and looking at long lists. And, and you're I, on the I edge really of your seat. That. Yeah. And yet they do it so well in terms of like making building that suspense. Yeah. Um, so it is. It is a great film, and I feel like and hope it will be the best picture winner. I guess that's my pick what I expect slash hopefully people will actually see Revenant and be like wait that wasn't that great of a film I haven't seen it yet either so I should watch it I had a dream that I saw it and, I, and apparently according to Anya and Willoughby they said that sounds like a much more interesting version of the Revenant yeah. than the actual film yeah. and if you want a harsh western winter film see The Hateful Eight it's so much better it's than so Revenant. good it's just like such a great technically great and enjoyable film so much more entertaining like the reason I've been putting off seeing The Revenant is that I don't want to see brutality for brutality's sake it's like this almost almost fetishization of this overt sorry masculinity and I don't need to see that I I see it every day I don't want to like yeah we walked through a bunch of like frats um, doing some sort of like sign up earlier and it was just like the smell of Axe body spray wafting throughout the halls and I was like this is like that overt masculinity who will see the revenant and be like that was the most amazing movie I've ever seen I want to be I want to sleep in a bear carcass (laughs) so that's my pick Willoughby so I really want that next Fury Road to win I really think that the revenant will win because I I just think that that's didn't it, it won for the Golden Globe picture which was kind of a surprise, though. I don't think anyone really expected it. And that's the end. thing, is that suddenly people are like... People, people thought I think people thought Spotlight was going to get it. Mm-hmm. So It's the better film. It is the better film. Well, I haven't seen it yet, but people Do you saying, think... Well, you haven't seen Spotlight yet. No. I've seen the Please Revenant. check it out. I'm gonna, Spotlight's I'm, really good. I'm going to try and watch it on tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, um, do you think the Academy... Do you think anyone will be swayed by the fact that Inuritu won last year? And, that they, and that they would want to nominate him again? That they wouldn't want him to win again. Uh, that's possible. I don't know. I just feel like... I know the Hollywood Foreign Press and the Academy are different beings. Very. Uh, I maybe... I just don't know. I just feel like people keep talking about The Revenant being like the best picture frontrunner. And I, th- and I think it might get it. Uh, but also, like, I kind of want Spotlight to get it too. This is why I'm excited for the Honest Oscar ballots. Yeah. Do you guys read those? Uh, I read them last year because of the Oscars so white. I don't think I read I read them usually, but they're I've seen hilarious. A bunch of them. 
And like I was, I always really enjoy like the honest Oscar posters mm-hmm. that people put oh, out. Oh, those are great. Those are honest hilarious. Oscar ballots are so great because you mm-hmm. realize how ridiculous the awards are because like mm-hmm. people are like, I haven't seen most of these films. I'm gonna vote for the one that the only one that I've seen or. Someone last year voted Whiplash for screenplay because they had a crush on the screenwriter. <laughs> yeah. They literally say oh that. Oh my gosh, that's So hilarious. I think that you get things like that. Well, The Revenant, the Revenant has so much hype behind it that Spotlight I don't think ever had mm-hmm. that I think that you're gonna that there's probably going to be a lot of votes swaying towards it because it's like, oh, well, this is clearly the biggest hype movie of, of the Oscar season with Leo's performance and the natural lighting and all that kind of stuff. So I think that people are going to might vote for that. Although I do say wait for the Critics' Choice Awards tonight. They might, if depending on how those go tonight, the race could be very different. Yeah. So like, I'm not. I like, like I saw The Revenant and I thought, I I, I think I liked it more than you did, Anya. Um, <laughs> which I mean, that's fine. Agree to disagree on certain things. Like I don't know. I I have a bias towards Lubeski. Um, although that's I want fair. I want Deacons to win because he definitely deserves to win at some point, and this should be it. Um, even though he should have won years ago. Uh, and Lubezki's won like three times now. So, uh, The Revenant might win, but I kind of after tomorrow, I'll have a more formal opinion on Spotlight because I've only heard like from hearsay about how good it is. I I haven't seen it. Um, and then I haven't seen The Big Short yet either. Those are the only two movies I haven't seen yet of all the Oscars. I'm like, I'm really behind on my Oscar catch up. So I need to see, um, the, I need to see Room, I need to see uh, Revenants, I need to see, Here, what else? I have the list. Bridge of Spies. Oh, uh, I have the whole list. Um, we're looking at a list. Yeah. I need to see Brooklyn, which I know is oh, amazing. Like, it's very good. Apparently it's really Bro- beautiful, too. Brooklyn is like my little, like, perfect underdog. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn's my perfect underdog film. Anything that Brooklyn wins, if they win anything at all, mm-hmm. I will be so happy. Like, if Brooklyn won Best Picture, I'd be so happy. If Saoirse Ronan wins Best Actress, I'll be... Like, Brooklyn is so wonderful, but I, it's like an underdog film. Yeah, I, I didn't expect it actually to get a nomination because it was, like, one of those indie flicks that, you know, got critical acclaim but then kind of disappeared after a few so weeks wonderful. in the theater, and then it got a nomination. And also, uh, side note, I fell down a Saoirse Ronan YouTube interview hole. Aww. And she's really great, like as a person. I love her Irish accent. Yeah, uh, her and Donald Gleason. Come on, yeah. like I know. I, well, my, mom, my mom and I went to go see Brooklyn, and I was like, "Mom, can you pronounce those two names?" And it was the poster for Brooklyn, and it had Saoirse Ronan and Dom, Donald Gleason. <laughs> and she was like, "I have no idea how to pronounce." This. <laughs> They're the one white people names that you can't pronounce. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've only I only I have Bridge of Spies is the only one I have left for Best Picture, but I have a couple mm-hmm. miscellaneous like acting. Movies like I still need to see Steve Jobs and The I Danish Girl, yeah. mm-hmm. like because they got acting noms. Mm-hmm. So I still plan to watch those. Carol also got shut out of like the Best Picture yeah. uh, race because I know people expected Carol to get more nominations than it did. It's interesting because I liked Carol, but the more I get away from it, the more I find myself thinking about other films more than it. Mm-hmm. I really liked Carol and I loved its ending, um, but. Yeah, the more I get away from it, the more it just kind of... It, it didn't stick with me the way I thought it would or hoped mm-hmm. it would. But it, I like it. It's a good film. I do mm-hmm. like it, but... Um, one last one. I did you, Do you guys think that Ex Machina deserved more love than it got? Yes. I don't think it got any love. It, it did got... It got love for screenplay mm-hmm. and visual effects, 
which is really odd considering it's a low-budget indie film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does I, have yeah. an amazing effect. For, I think it deserved more love. I yeah. would have given it. I think Oscar picture. Isaac should have gotten a oh, nomination. Oh, he should have gotten nominated. Yeah. He played the weird, creepy, kind of disturbed genius he very played, well. I, I, I read trivia that he based his performance off of Stanley Kubrick. That's amazing. That's actually, I can see that. Interesting. Um, he should have won just for his dance sequence, honestly. But honestly. I mean, like, yeah. His portrayal of the character was so unnerving. Mm-hmm. That I really, and like also very charismatic. It was just like a great character that kind of slipped by. And it was all in the writing, apparently. Mm-hmm, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like people, t- people say like, um, I was listening to an Oscar Isaac interview with Nerdist, and people were coming up to him after the movie saying like, oh, you, you know, you brought a lot of like, how much improvisation was, was in that movie. And he said none of that. That was wow. all. In the, that was all of that dialogue that he said was all in the writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ex Machina. I really. I think people really loved it when it first came out, and it was really lauded for its just like innovative take on you know the classic AI robot movie, The Frankenstein. The Frankenstein. Um, but it just kind of disappeared again too. Like, and this is why I'm confused. They didn't use all their ten best picture slots. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned multiple films this podcast that deserved a Best Picture nod and that they didn't give to. Yep. Creed. Creed. Creed, Hateful Eight, Ex Machina, Carol, mm-hmm. uh, Straight Outta Compton. And like, again, Inside only, Out. Yeah, and not only movies that would diversify the field, but also would just make the whole race much more interesting. Yeah. These are much more interesting movies yeah. than some of the movies that were nominated. And they yeah. just like made the race more interesting. Yeah. I keep saying interesting, but that's what I feel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we, are we, are we good? Do we have any last words good. on Oscars? I think let's we're good. M- we should move on to what we love and what we hate. All right. Let's move on to the last segment of the episode. Um, I'll start with Willoughby this time. Okay. Willoughby, what do you love? What do you hate this week? Okay. So I don't really hate anything except for Oscars So White, but we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. We based the whole podcast on that. I will say that I've been loving the first five episodes of Friday Night Lights. The TV show from 2006. You're just catching up on your 2000s TV shows. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm in a deep 2000s hole. And it's so melodramatic, but so great at the same time. Like, every episode has one moment where I'm just kind of tearing up because there's, it's so, like, dramatic and, you know, uh, overwrought with emotion. And, and condensed. And, and what? And condensed. And like condensed every- into, like, it burns through so much plot. You know, every episode is like the week before a, a new game on Friday night because it's called Friday Night Lights. And, um, you know, football is so powerful in this town. It's, you know, more powerful than God practically. Uh, and, you know, there, there are people who like never leave the town. So they're like from the high school who have like championships and they're like all like focused on the current high school. It's really kind of, it's almost like a fetish. Fetishization of <laughs> high school football. Like, the show itself doesn't do it, but the characters are. It's a little unnerving to see, like, how much they have writing on these, like, 17-year-olds playing football. Um, but at the same time, the actors are so great. Like, we've got Kyle Chandler as Coach Eric Taylor, who is the most inspirational, like, dad character ever. Um, yeah, uh, what's, what's the quote again? It's clear, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Barack Obama quoted him in his State <laughs> of the Union. Paraphrased. I will say that he quoted him. Um, and then we've got Michael B. Jordan, who shows up later in the show. I, he's not in the first season. Um, Adrian Palicki, who is Mockingbird in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's she's great at, in uh, this show. Taylor Kitsch, 
uh, plays the self-destructive bad boy who it's so on the nose that he's self-destructive that it's like almost comical. He might as well be shouting it from the rooftops. Yeah. Um, there's the, the quarter, like in the first episode, the quarterback who's like the all-star going, going to be better than Peyton Manning in the NFL is paralyzed in the, in the first game of the season. And it's like so heartbreaking. And it's like, you know, a powerful loss at the beginning of the show, like, which, which like informs the rest of the plot of the season. It's just like, it's so serialized. It's so dramatic that I don't know. I really loved it. And so I'm only like five episodes in, but I'm like, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. You're in it to win it. Yeah. Nice. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. (laughs) All right. Um, I will go next. My love hate for this week is just news that I learned just now, right before we started finished recording the podcast. But Jessica Jones was renewed for season two by Netflix, which was something I actually didn't expect because it seemed like a one season type of show. Yeah. Um, I like, I read the alias comics and like the one big arc. That of Jessica Jones is like her battle against Purple Man and like her past trauma that she received on his end, and they really they went through that with the first season. And if you've watched the show, no spoilers, they can't really continue with that arc. So I'm I'm interested to see like how what they would do for the second season. Like she doesn't really have any other villains other than Purple Man. She like you know kind of battles off with some B list Daredevil villains, which could be fun actually because purple man was a b-list daredevil villain and not really taking that seriously when he first appeared in the daredevil uh comics like i think daredevil just like put a cloth over him because a huge blanket over him so he couldn't like influence anyone because it was like the pheromones like from his skin or something was making people do what everything that he wanted so it's it i think they've like heightened his powers for jessica jones but that could be a good solution for the season two of Jessica Jones. Maybe it could be about her and Luke Cage's developing relationship. Maybe it could be her facing off against some more powered-up B-list Daredevil villains. Maybe it be, like, her behind the scenes with the, the Defender series because that's what each of these were building up to. I think the original Netflix Marvel plan was to do, like, one season of each of these characters. Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, and then have the Defenders miniseries at the end. But now they're doing renewing it for two seasons with each show almost mm-hmm. that it's like how long will this go on maybe like will they do several seasons with Defenders will they run simultaneously with Defenders it's all very fascinating to talk about and um, I don't think I gave like my um, review I guess of Jessica Jones but yes I did love it very much <laughs> <laughs> um, if you guys didn't know and I didn't I don't think I liked it as much as I liked Daredevil like I would rewatch Daredevil again but I think it's cuz Jessica Jones was so unsettling and on the nose. It was tough. It was tough to watch but it was just like like technically it was a better show than Daredevil was and like just went through with so much so many better themes like it really tackled the rape culture that is inherent in our society and <laughs> just like the great performances all around so very adult show and yeah. not so in the way that it's like gratuitous or anything like that it just it just tackles really adult themes and does it in a really mature way so my short review of Jessica Jones slash I'm excited for season two <laughs> and wondering what they will do so that's my love hate for this week all right um, um yeah. real quick before I get to mine I wanted to ask you guys because we forgot to mention this in the Oscars are you excited for Chris Rock to host given yes. Oscar so white. Yes. I am excited because he's going to make so many jokes. Like um, when Jamie Foxx during the Golden Globes made that straight out of Compton joke, it was both a joke about the um, Miss Universe 
gaffe that yeah. Steve Harvey did, but it was also kind of pointing out that Jada, Jada out of Compton has gotten no love during the award season. Yeah. So. so I just wanted to bring that up because I'm looking forward to that. Um, yes. All right. So my, my love this week is um, sort of a, like a personal thing. So um, I used to be really into musical theater. Um, I Once upon a time, I was actually like pursuing college for musical theater. And, like, that really? was going to be my major. Oh, I didn't and, know that. like, I've been doing theater since elementary school. And, like, I was in choir and dance and theater in high school. And that was, like, my big thing. Um, and so I, obviously, I did not pursue that. That's not what I'm doing now. Um, I always say that I ended up loving the stage more than the stage loved me. Um, <laughs> is how I put it. Um, but it's still something that's really close to my heart. Um, and that I still really love. And... Here in Los Angeles, I found a class. Um, it used to be called Broadway Bodies. They changed their name to 567 Sweat. It's basically a fitness class, but done as Broadway dancing. Oh, it's, like it's really awesome. But... Like so every class. so every week is one is one song. And basically the first like 20 minutes of the class is like just like a warm up, but it's to Broadway songs like you warm up to like one from a chorus line and you have like little gold top hats and like Good Morning Baltimore plays as you warm up. And then the rest of the class is we basically learn choreography to the song of the week. Joe basically, he's our instructor, he's super great. Um, he basically, we just learn choreography to the dance and then we just kind of do it over and over again. Sometimes he records us doing it. Um, so, like, my first week was uh, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Mm-hmm. And then last week was Brand New Day from The Wiz. Um, and I think this week is a Jersey Boy song. Um, so it's really great because it's kind of a fun way for me to kind of get back with my musical theater roots. Um, and just kind of embrace those again because I miss musical theater and I love it so much. So it's a, like, I just wanted to, that's what I'm loving this week. I'm loving that I get to once again, like, sort of perform-ish and dance to musical theater again. And the class is super great. The instructor is so great. Everyone is really lovely. So I'm just happy that musical theater exists and I get to dance to it. <laughs> I'm glad that you get to go back to your musical theater roots. That's yes. awesome. Yeah, it's really fun. Mm-hmm. All right. I, could, I could kind of figure that, actually, since, like, you have so much love for Hamilton and have such an innate knowledge of extensive knowledge of musical theater so yes it's yeah I feel like it's not something that a lot of people know about me now just because Mm -hmm. I'm not pursuing it anymore but like Mm -hmm. that was my like thing in high school and middle school and that was what I wanted to do more than anything so yeah there you go that sounds like an amazing class let us know how it is I will (laughs) I'll show you the video I have there's a video on like Facebook from the all I want for Christmas is you I'll send you guys the video Please do. Maybe we'll post it on our Millennial Falcon. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Maybe you can see us on our social media accounts, which... Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can find us at the Millennial Falcon uh, Facebook page, if you search for that. We're at Falcon Podcast on Twitter. And uh, where can uh, where can the folks at home find us? Well, you can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. I'm at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. And I'm at htranbui on Twitter. And don't forget to find us on iTunes and subscribe and rate. Exactly. And review us. And review. And review. (laughs) All right. Until next time. Yes. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.